0: We hope you enjoy this message from Matt Bruce, recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. He's worthy. Thank you, God. We praise you. You're so good. You're so good. Man, it's good to be home. It's good to be home. It doesn't really feel like home, but it still feels homely. And it's so nice to see so many fresh faces this morning, as well as familiar faces. I love walking into the building and just looking at all you guys. It warms my heart. I feel good again, even though we lost. I'm kind of sick of losing to the English, right? It's like, man, we lost last night in the rugby and then we lost the Cricket World Cup as well on some stupid technicalities. And, and then my good friend Tom bit me at darts yesterday and he bit me at golf on the day before that. I'm just sick of losing to the English. It's killing me, killing me. But it's so good to be here this morning. Why don't we just start by praying? God, I thank you so much that you're in this place. I thank you, God, that you're not only in this place, you're in every individual. Thank you, God, that you're with us, that that makes such a big difference in our world, that we can walk with a confidence and hope that tomorrow's gonna be better because you're within us and you're working all things together for good. God, what a privilege it is to come into your house. What a privilege it is to worship this morning. What a privilege it is to hear from your Word, to be lifted by your truth. God, I pray that you would minister into each and every single person's heart this morning, that that walk out with a little glint more of hope. So we thank you for your presence here this morning. Amen. And everybody said, amen. amen. You can take your seat. Turn around and say hello to someone. Oh, awesome. Well, it is Sunday morning, 10.44 a.m. on Sunday morning, and you're here based on the decisions that you made this morning. You've made a whole bunch of decisions this morning already. You've probably made a hundred, if not thousands, decisions in order to get to this point where you're on your seat this morning. And uh, one of those decisions might have been uh, what you were gonna wear this morning. And if you're someone who's a bit particular, maybe you're a female, you're like, hmm, what should I wear this morning? you're like, should I wear a dress, a skirt, jeans, a play suit, uh, what else? Shorts. And you're still like, what should I wear? And you're like, hmm, maybe I'll wear a dress. You're like, I'll go into my wardrobe. You pick out a dress and you're like, oh, should I go maxi, mini, pleated, midi? Sorry. So you're looking through and you're like, hmm, ah, oh, I'm going to pick that one. Oh, but this, that one needs pantyhose. So I have my pantyhose and actually, no, I'm going to go with that one. No, that one has a belt though. Hmm, That one looks really good with a belt. Where's my belt? I swear I have a belt. I bought that belt ages ago. It's got to be in here. And then you're like, I don't have the belt. Fine, I'm going to wear jeans. I'm going to wear my jeans. But, but should I wear my black jeans or my blue jeans or those beige kind of chino kind of whatever thing they are? Oh, I'll wear my black ones. <gasps> but they're dirty. My black jeans are dirty. And the top I want to wear with my black jeans only go with the black jeans. Maybe I should try my black jeans. Oh, no, they're too dirty. Okay, maybe I'll go, I'll go for skirt. I'll go for skirt. Mini, no, church, inappropriate. Uh, Midi, pleated, skater. I just don't know what I'm going to choose. And then you're like, you finally go, yeah, I'll pick the skirt. And then you go, but what about the weather? I didn't check Met Service. And at 12, it's meant to buck it down. And I might not be home by 12, so maybe I need to pick something a little more appropriate. Maybe I'll go for a play suit. Maybe, or a jumpsuit, because it's longer. So you go and you pick your jumpsuit out, and you go, oh, this is really good. And then you're like, "Mm, what shoe should I wear? Should I wear the black pair or the bright pair? Oh, I just don't know if I'm really feeling like the bright pair this morning. I just don't know if my mood's bubbly enough, you know? Maybe that's the reason I should wear my bright pair, to pull me into the mood. Come on, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Look at my bright shoes this morning. Yeah, no, I'll go black. I'll go black. I'll go basic, you know. Oh my gosh, look how many decisions you made just to get to the point of not even really choosing an outfit yet. We've gone through your whole wardrobe and you're still not satisfied. There's so many times in life where we make so many decisions before we've even gotten really into the start of our day. We make so many decisions. What's worse is that if you're a woman in this place, your husband might have said, oh, I don't know what I'm going to wear this morning. So then you had to make a whole lot of decisions for his outfit as well. <laughs> you can say thank you, husband, for that. So it's now 10.47 a.m. and you're here based on the decisions that you've made. And um, I did some brief research. Um, and some suggest that we make approximately 35,000 decisions or choices a day. So that equates to around 2,000 choices an hour, a choice every two seconds. That's a lot of choices. No wonder you get to the end of the day and you're exhausted. You're making 35,000 choices. What would you do today? 35,000 things. <laughs> and maybe you think that's a little ridiculous. But right now I can assume that you've probably already made some choices about how interesting my sermon sounds. And like, do I really want to listen to this guy this morning? Or should I just do my little half sort of tune out, the odd occasional amen, or am I invested? Maybe you've decided whether you would pair these shoes with this shirt. Or whether my legs have gotten skinnier since you last saw me. Or maybe you thought, wow, his gray hairs are really catching the light this morning. Man, he's had a stressful year. Maybe you've thought about what you're going to eat for lunch today, or you've chosen to shift in your seat seven times already to get a little comfortable. The thing is we make decisions so much in our days. So if you're making 35,000 decisions a day, 2,000 decisions an hour, a decision every two seconds, then making a decision becomes very common, right? Very common. Incredibly common to make a decision. But this morning, I want to paint a picture that it's also the most spiritual thing we do. It's also the most spiritual thing we do. And I'll take you on a bit of a journey this morning if you don't agree with me. We'll have fun together. Oh, look, I got a title. So choosing is the most spiritual thing we do. I want to set the scene a little about why, why choosing is the most spiritual thing we do this morning. So I'm going to rush through five key choices in the Bible. Is that cool? Yeah. Five key choices. So number one is uh, hopefully going to be put up. Hey, It's God's loving choice to give us free will. So right at the beginning, God creates uh, humankind and He creates them in our likeness. I think they're going to chuck up some of the scriptures for me uh, from Genesis 1 and 2. So He creates, oh wow, that's quite hard to read. Where you can't see, it says, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. God is creating with free will and He's creating us in His likeness, so He's giving us free will too. And then when He does so, uh, what you can't read as well He says about the rule that you can't eat, you can eat anything in the garden except from this tree. So he sets up a decision point right from the outset and he doesn't say, hey, you actually can't do this. He says, "Uh, please don't pretty much. Please don't. It's not like, hey, if you go to that tree, you're never gonna be able to get the fruit off because it's impossible because you can't. But he sets up a choice. So the choice number one is God's loving choice to give us free will. Do we get that? Number two is humanity's first choice of disobedience. So God sets us up with free will right at the beginning, and uh, it doesn't take long. We're in Genesis 3 where they both eat of the fruit. Eve makes a decision to eat of the fruit, and Adam just doesn't go along with it. He also makes an intentional choice to eat of the fruit as well. So we, we make a, our first choice of disobedience. Third choice is God's gracious choice to send us His Son to send us His Son. So we sort of mess it up within a few chapters and God has to bring a plan in place. And in John 3, 16, we know it says He gave us His Son. He made an intentional decision to give us His Son. Number four, Jesus' defining choice to do His Father's will. So in Matthew 26 to 39, I don't know if they're gonna get to that one. Can we have Matthew 26, 39 team? Hey, that's bigger. Going a little farther, there's Jesus. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Probably the most significant decision in humanity. Jesus chooses humiliation for humanity, bondage for our freedom, excruciation for our reconciliation. He sits there, fully man, and makes a decision to not go with what his will says, but to go, I'll go with what the Father's will says, no matter if it looks like the cross. So God set the scene with his choice to give us choice. And then Jesus has set up us with the choice to not go with his own free will, but to rather do his Father's will. And here we are right now in the fifth choice. The fifth choice is our choice. It's our choice. God, I thank you this morning for all the decisions people made to be here. And God, I pray as we open up your word, you would reveal the importance of free will. You would reveal the importance of our choice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. So do we get the scene? Do we get the scene? I hope so. I had to get through some. I was trying to channel my inner Steve Graham there. Let's go to our key scripture this morning. So it's in Romans 12, to 2. If you want to turn with me to Romans 12, to 2, that should come up on the screen as well. And hopefully we can see it a little easier. Romans 12, to 2. This is Paul writing to the Roman church. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be, be able to attest and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Great scripture. Great scripture. Um, in my life, I've had some interesting encounters with Rabbits. some really interesting encounters with rabbits. And one such was uh, my mum and I were flying up to go to the Parachute Music Festival and we were landing into Hamilton. And um, I was going in Hamilton, we were gonna meet um, my mum's cousin for the first time. And mum prepared me a little bit. She said, my cousins can be a little bit too much sometimes. So when you get off the plane, just roll with it. Anyways, I walked off the plane and through the gates and there she is and she's got every colour in her hair (laughs) and she's crazy and I'm just, and she's like, hello. And she comes and gives me a massive hug. I'm like, oh, here we are. We're in for a weekend here. But anyway, she's hilarious. Anyways, we we get our bags and she's talking nonstop as we walk out to the car. And uh, we put our bags in the car and we get in the car and uh, and we start to drive out of the car park. And we're about 100 meters out of the car park. And she just pulls into this, like, off the road, randomly, into this, like, kind of driveway, but not really driveway, half on the grass, half on the driveway. And she says, I just got to get something out of the car. And I was like, okay, sweet. So she she gets out of the car, gets out her car door, walks around to the front of the car, which is interesting, not the boot, and she reaches down into the front of her car and she pulls out a whole rabbit. (laughs) And I'm like, what's that? What are you serious? I was like, Mom, she's crazy. So she pulls out this whole rabbit. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And this thing's limp and dead. And anyway, she proceeds to, she's like, oh, look at this. <laughs> Funny. Um, and then she walks over to the fence. And all of a sudden, this ra- as she goes to chuck this rabbit away, this rabbit kicks into life and sprints off. Just comes back to life and sprints off. So this rabbit who I, that I thought was dead all of a sudden springs back to life. And it's interesting in this Scripture, Paul says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. And that's really interesting because prior to Jesus, prior to the Scripture in the Old Testament, the Israelites would journey, they'd put down their tools, everything, they'd journey and go to the temple and they would take their animal, they'd take their lamb, say, And they'd walk it up to the temple and they'd give it to the priest, and the priest would kill it and lay it on the altar, and that dead animal would stay on the altar until it was completely consumed. So this animal's dead, but Paul's like, hey, yeah, you're a sacrifice now, but you're living. And the thing about living things is, living things have choices, they have free will. So Paul's like, hey, you guys are living. Yeah, get on the altar of God, but you're living. But I wonder if sometimes in life, we're like the rabbit in my story and we get on the altar of God only to climb off. Because we're living and living things have choices. So we're like, God, I give you my all. I get on the altar. God, I'm all in. My life is yours. And then all of a sudden the fire gets lit beneath us and the heat gets turned up a little and we jump off the altar. Well, I, oh man, no, I knew I said I was going to get on God. I knew I said I was all in. But man, this heat's getting a little too hot under here. And I'm pretty keen to just jump off the altar at my convenience right now. I wonder if sometimes we live like the rabbits in my story. You see, in our lives, we encounter sources of the heat on the regular. <laughs> Every day, there's sources of heat. You'll know that. That when you enter a day, you can be rosy as anything and sometimes all it takes is walking out your front door getting in the face with some wind and the heat gets turned up a little bit. Or you get stuck in some traffic and you said, oh, I was gonna be more peaceful, God. And, the, and then all of a sudden, the heat gets turned up a little bit in the traffic. But there's so many opportunities or sources of heat in our life that challenge us to stay on the altar, but often we just hop off. We just hop off. What are sources of heat in our lives? They're anything that challenge us to conform to the patterns of this world. Anything that challenge us to conform to the patterns of the world. They're attitudes that pull us into wanting to jump off the altar. But Paul urges us, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Where our choices made. They're made in your mind. That's why Paul says, hey, you need to renew your mind if you're gonna stay on this altar, you're gonna to have to renew your mind over and over again because it's always a decision point. I'm not gonna ask you to get on the altar and kill you. You're on the altar as a living sacrifice. I value your free will. I value your ability to choose. I created you that way. I don't wanna take your free will from you. I'm not here to set up a religious set of boundaries. I'm here to bring a relationship and therefore I'm leaving you living. But you're gonna have to make some decisions sometimes and you're gonna have to renew your mind sometimes and you're gonna have to go through some sources of heat sometimes and you gotta say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I may feel like I'm on fire right now, but I trust you. If I stay on this altar, I'm gonna stay there and I'm gonna trust that I'm gonna be there at the end of it. I'm not gonna be consumed. So Paul urges us, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So don't go with the flow. Intentionally choose. And at times that will be very inconvenient. Daily, that will be very inconvenient. But we don't want to bind to a convenient culture. I, I want to live a full life. And that requires some inconvenience sometimes. And I've found as I've embraced the inconvenience in areas, I've found the abundance of life that he talks about. This morning, because I want to share a bit about what me and Avi have been up to in our journey. And I, just, I don't want to just bring a word. I want to bring something that God's really been teaching me. And God's really been challenging me to stay on a certain altar. And um, that altar is the altar of community. The altar of community. And um, I think this is a really significant altar, obviously in my world, but, but just in the world in general. I think right now we're at a point in society where uh, we know that the church, the gospel, is to be counter-cultural. I don't think community should be countercultural, but I think it's moving to that point. Whereas if the church got a hold of community, it would be something countercultural to what we're seeing displayed in the world today. So he's really been challenging me to stay on the altar of community. And for me, if you know anything about me, I'm a huge introvert, a massive introvert. You're like, why are you doing ministry? <laughs> following what God's saying. But I'm a massive introvert and I love my own space when uh, if I go away from the house, Avi books the whole calendar up. So I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I've got every hour accounted for and there's a person in every single slot. So she will go stay with people. She will have 17 billion coffees while I'm away. And then if she goes away, she goes, Matt, what are you up to? And I go, I've booked nothing. (laughs) And I go, I might go see my best mate, Maybe. That's it. Apart from that, I'm just having me time. So I'm a massive introvert. So naturally, I want to edge towards the thing of just isolation, of just staying by myself, being refreshed. And I actually enjoy it. When I was a kid, everyone would be like, What happened to the holidays? And all the kids would be off seeing their mates. And I'm like, I'm going to go staff my nana and popper and play violin for an hour a day. <laughs> so I'm a massive introvert. But, but God's really been challenging me around staying on the altar of community that if I could manage to get on the altar of community and stay there, I would find a fuller life. And that it's not just a matter of my personality. Yeah, my personality does dictate some things, but God's actually designed me for community. He's designed me for community. He's designed Adam for community. Therefore, I'm designed for community as well. And God really spoke to me once. Closest thing to an audible voice. And my name means gift to God. And he just said, Matt, you're not a gift if you don't give yourself. He says you can keep yourself to yourself and that's cool, but to actually function in who I've called you to be, to function in Matthew who I've created, you've actually got to give the gifts. So you've got to give yourself. So I've been on this altar of community all year. It has been challenging to the core. Uh, one of the things that has been Very challenging is that my wife and I lived alone in our nice little house, just us for two and a half years. And we went up to Orkham where we have a little box of a room for the same price as our two bedroom house in Dunedin. So it's like, woohoo. So we have gone back to flatting, to flatting. And what a challenge that is because there's people around. And when I get home, my home is not my home. It's whoever's in the lounge room is just there. And it's like, they come into your bedroom. You have to do everything as a community. And it's like, really, God? I just want my own home. Can't you respect the fact that I need my space? He's like, no, what you need is community. So I'm going to put you back into a flatting situation. And I suggest you get on the altar and stay on there and watch what I do over the year. So I've been watching what he does through flatting. And one of the challenging things is we spend a lot of time with people uh, in the church, at college, everything in our day. And we get home and um, God's blessed me the most extroverted flatmate there is. So I get to the door and it's not like, oh, home. It's like, Matt, how My day, my day, let's go to the next, let's do this. I'm just like, ah! Oh! Sometimes I'm trying to walk up to my room and he's still like, I'm walking away from him. He's still talking to me. It's like, ah, oh, come on, man, leave me alone. But God's blessed me with someone who's incredibly extroverted, because I'm learning what it is to stay on the altar and learning that in that there's actually a richness. So now we we go to the cricket nets together and just have a hit. We we play darts together and just have fun. We play board games together and we just talk about things as well. And he's actually going in to be an associate pastor. So what a blessing he's been in my world to be able to talk to someone on a similar journey. And gotta realize, hey, I'm actually blessed by this, but it doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't mean it's easy to stay on the altar. So many times I walk home and I'm just like, please don't let him be here. <laughs> and then I open the door and he's like, hey! And I'm like, hey! How we doing? In Auckland as well, one thing is that everything seems to go later. I've learned that you don't drive and peak hour traffic because the 15-minute trips becomes 55 minutes, which is a joy in itself. But anyways, everything seems to start later and end later. So in my first e-group, I'm like, it's 9 o'clock. When are we praying? Surely it's home time now. And it's like 9.45. Still not praying. (laughs) It's a late e-group, guys. And we get to about quarter past 10. We finally pray. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. But everything goes later. And for me, I'm like, I love my sleep as well. I love my sleep. I'm an introvert who loves sleep. And, uh, and, and I had to learn to actually be present enough at 10, 15 at night to actually address people's hearts. They're, they're bearing their hearts before us. They're, they're asking for prayer requests. And if all I'm thinking about is getting home and being by myself and in my bed, what am I adding to the kingdom? What am I adding? I'm not adding anything. Come on, if I could brace the inconvenience, I could brace the fire inside me that's like, ah! I want to be home, I'd find there's a richness in community. One of the richest e-groups we've had is we went to do prayer requests at 9.30 at night. An hour later, we were still there and we hadn't even got around the full circle of prayer requests. People just, just started bearing their heart and then we prayed for another 45 minutes after that. Got home somewhere around 11. Best e-group I had. Felt like something shifted in me around the connection of people. Felt like I walked away going, we didn't just do a program, we did something significant there. Order of community. Very inconvenient though. Um, Church on a Sunday. So church on a Sunday. God blessed us. It was hilarious. We did three services here for a while. And uh, the Sunday we arrived, they launched three services. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Building capacity. So we do three services on a Sunday in Auckland. And um, me and Abby do a service leading role, uh, not, like the, not like here, but overseeing some of the teams. So we're there at about 7.30 in the morning, and we get home around... Uh, 9, 9.30 at night, and if we're pack out, 11.30 at night. And um, it's a massive day, and then God was awesome. He put, placed us in the Equipers Professionals community and also in helping with the Equip course. So every week on, week off, we're either at an EP lunch or Equip course connecting with people, and our purpose is to connect. Um, so we go for the whole time. <laughs> there's, there's not really any break. Uh, so you're going for, what, 14 hours or whatever it is. And what a blessing it has been to actually learn to to be present with people, even when there's so much task throughout a day, and even when you go on the whole time. What a blessing it has been to go through a, three hours of a service or whatever, and then get into equipment, and make sure that you attend to the heart of the new person. And God's really been talking to me about hey, uh, about stand on the altar, stand on the altar. That and as I have done that, 14 hours aren't a big day. I talked to my other mate; he does one service and he's always shattered on a Sunday. <laughs> Oh, I did so much today, man. I was there for three hours. I'm like, try 14. I'm still joyful, but I think that's what God does when you're obedient. You stay on the altar. Yeah. Uh, another flatmate. <laughs> Our flatmates are great. My my first this other flatmate. His name's Mario. He's from Italy. Well. Wow kind of. And uh, my first impression of him was we were bringing our mattress in for our bed and I had to go through his door and I tripped over this thing and I looked down and it's a big golden elephant with a telephone on it. I thought we're in for a treat. (laughs) (laughs) The next thing I saw, I was like, whose is that? And it's like, oh, it's Mario's and it was a harp. And he just decided to buy a harp in church one day. He was sitting in the message, thought, I think I need a harp. So he went on trade me and bought one then. Um, so Mario's a fantastic human being. He loves talking as well. And uh, he really challenged my introvert because he didn't really understand space. Didn't really understand space. So it's, it's been, we've been five weeks in Auckland. Me and Abby haven't had a single moment apart yet, really. And, and she was like, I'm going to catch up with a friend. And I'm like, introvert time. I was really excited. And, and, and um, it came to that time and I got into my bedroom and I was in my bedroom for 10 minutes and all of a sudden I knock on the door. It's like, huh. Oh here you there. I'm like, yes. So the door opens. Hey, man, how you doing? And just starts talking to me. And he's he, So he's outside the door to start with. Two minutes later, he's inside the door. A few minutes later, he's standing beside me while I sit on my bed, just talking to me like this. Next minute, he's on my bed. And after about 25 minutes, I get the hint that he wants to hang out. And I'm like, he's not going away. He's not getting any of my hints. So go, what do you want to do, Mario? oh, can you come watch something with me? I'm like, okay, Mario, I'll come watch something with you. And we end up going and watching an amazing documentary, talking for three hours after that, and incredible faith conversations. And I'm like, man, I would have missed that if I hadn't chosen to stay on the altar. And our relationship after that has just been amazing. Um, went for a round of golf at 5.45 a.m. when I was up there. That was fun. <laughs> just so some, Just so one of the players could get off to his niece's birthday party, but man, it was an awesome time, and I got to meet so many people, and that's been a, a key to the, the season, really, of, of belonging in Auckland, is, is the relationship with those three key guys. Another time of, I'm like, 5.45 on a Saturday? That's going to feel like fire. We we have meetings, and I've learned the power of having, just catching up around a meal again. Catching up around a meal again, just the. As Will talked about, I think even this morning, just sitting around a meal was just amazing. And we had our meeting and had, or had our meal for an hour and a half, had the half an hour meeting. And then sat there and I could tell this guy just wanted to talk. And I'm like, I am so ready for bed. And I thought, no, nah, I need to attend to this guy's heart. And we actually just, I think, talked for about 45 minutes. And it was such a significant connection. And um, he just really opened up about all the things he's doing. And this guy's just gone on fire now. Everyone in church is just talking about this guy. And it was from that moment where he just got to share a little bit of his heart about what God's doing in his world. I was like, man, I got to get better at asking and attending to people's hearts. Got to get better at it. But that's kind of inconvenient at the same time. Guys, I'm I'm, learning so much. Okay, here's another one. staying on the altar. Walk slower. Just walk slower. On a Sunday, on our first Sundays, it was like lots of team would just be like, Hey, Matt, Man, how you doing? Yeah, good. Hey, could you go do that? Yeah, sweet. sweet, sweet, guys, yeah, sweet. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Awesome, yeah, good. And it's like, everyone's just running around at a real fast pace because there's things to do. But God told me, hey, walk slower. Walk slower. When you're at church, go on a leisurely place so you look interruptible. Even if you've got a really important task to get to, just, just walk slower. And it's funny when I walk slower, people give you the look and as they see you walk slow, they start to come over to you and you start to get some better conversations. But it is quite inconvenient as well because I don't like lots of conversations. <laughs> but I'm learning to. And I'm learning the richness of community. But it's, being a, it's a choice. Every Sunday when there's a task, hey, Matt, can you go do this? I have to choose to walk slower. I have to choose to address every single person. Even if I can't have a conversation, just, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how are you? So I'd love to see you at church. i have seen you in a few weeks. Awesome to see you. And just to address some people a bit more. Um, arriving early. Arriving early. Esther did a great word. She said, honor. She talked about the culture of honor that we have as a church. And she was talking about in the context of pack in, pack out. They get there at 5 a.m. to pack in. And she said, if you're there five minutes early to wave at the truck driver as he drives in, that's your estimated value of that person. She says, if you're there five minutes late and that truck driver's had to do a whole bunch himself, that's also your estimated value of that person. Honor is an estimated value of that person and it's shown through where we place our time. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Abby's like always like, 15 minutes early and I'm like, right on time. (laughs) And it's one of the pressure points in our marriage. Like, man, I told you. But I'm learning, hey, if I want to actually communicate and connect with people, I need to be early. And I need to stand in the oil for 10 minutes before anyone's there just to make sure I'm there to connect with the first person in the door. Being early. Man, that's inconvenient though. I have, Man, I'm just gonna share lots, eh? Um, embracing the rawness of community. I think sometimes we think everything has to be so clean. We went over to a dinner and there was three family, uh, there was, oh, I think there was about 15 of us there and five kids and it was manic. We sat around the dinner table, and it was crazy, man. Like, mums are up and down, kids running everywhere, kids fighting, pushing each other over, toys flying everywhere. It was just insane, but it was like the best four hours. (laughs) It was like, oh, my gosh. And these, these mums were just there a wee bit later with their kids, but they just embraced the inconvenience of that in order to connect. And I was like, man, things don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be the perfect host. All I need to do is open my home and just share my life. I don't need to present a life that's different from the one I always live. If it's a bit manic, it's a bit manic. But I'm going to have people in my house. Um, One of my favorite times is in staff when we just stop the whole office for like an hour and we just eat Krispy Kremes. (laughs) That's awesome. It's so good. It's just like, works off, we're eating donuts and I'm, I'm down for that. That one doesn't feel like so much fire. Um, another moment that I really appreciated was just learning how to push through some work in order to create space for community. And when Stronger came up, I just saw a different sacrifice of people's time in order to get to Stronger and, and to share that time. And a bunch of us guys just got in the car and road trip down the day before. And we just sat in hot pools. How long? Oh, Tom was there. We just sat in hot pools, like natural hot pools for like four or five hours through rocks at This little thing, trying to hit it. You know what guys are like. (laughs) Everything's a competition. Um, But I just appreciate it because some of those guys had had to get another day's work done earlier in the week just to make sure that they could be there to go down the day early. Some had to push through assignments. But man, what a rich time it brought into my world as people made a sacrifice and put some work in in order to prioritize community. And I learned something about staying on the altar of community there. And I was like, man, I need to actually shift my life a little bit in order to make time for people because I need people more than I think I need them. And people need more than they probably think they need me. Apparently I'm useful. Oh man, we do new to church nights, and um, the great thing about Auckland City is it's so diverse now. But on new to church nights, you you often just spend two hours speaking to someone with broken English, with a whole <laughs> and there's a whole lot of people in the room, so you you have to choose to listen and you have to choose to engage and you have to choose to not go to the toilet because that poor person's gonna be by themselves and, you, and then it's like the option comes where you get to sit and choose your spot and you're like, where are you sitting? <laughs> I'll come sit with you. But it's actually just valuing people enough to go, I'm gonna embrace the inconvenience of trying to communicate in broken English for two hours. I know I'm gonna be shattered, but I know you're gonna feel valued from it. And I've been learning, man, just sit with that person and stay engaged. Stay engaged, Matt. Stay engaged. Um, <laughs> conferences. Great thing about having church in two locations is when you meet together, everyone wants to catch up. That's good if you're not an introvert. But, yeah, I think conference, conferences this year will be funny. It's like in between sessions, it's not like, oh, we'll just chill out. It's like we've got seven catch-ups. <laughs> back to 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 back, back. And it's like, oh, actually, it's so good. Actually it's so good to actually catch up with people. Actually it's so good to spend time in community. Actually, this is why I'm in church. That's why I'm here for community. Um Auckland Traffic again. Uh I drove in what was it? An hour an hour thirty minutes just to get one guy to e-group. And man, it was worth it. Guy has has felt so disconnected from church for two years hadn't showed up in six months and I just made the effort and drove an hour and a half and now he's back in church and he's loving it. And he feels connected again and I thought, man, when I was 16, I wouldn't drive 15 minutes to drop my mate home, but God, you've done a work in me where I would drive an hour and a half and I'd love every minute of it just to see someone come to life again. So worth it. So worth it. Um. (laughs) I've learned how to like pop into someone's office and not ask them to do something. And it's like I just been in um Margaret Hervice, the ex uh she's like the ex-administrator. Um she's like my my nana up there. So I go see her and she has jars of lollies and biscuits and and we just go sit and we talk for like half an hour at a time and she we make a cup of tea and we just talk. And it's fantastic. It's fantastic, but it's actually, I can actually I'll actually put in more work an hour later to catch up on that half an hour I didn't get done just so I can talk with that person for half an hour. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. So I've learned this year that the people sitting around you this morning, the people sitting around you at your workplace desperately need someone to attend to their heart. Desperately need someone to attend to their heart. And so often it takes so long just to get to that place. And I realized, I was thinking, man, what would I do different if I was here? Again, I, I thought, man, I wouldn't change much structure, but man, I would do through personal leadership different. Man, I would spend more time with people. Man, I would share more meals. Man, I would brace more inconvenience. Man, I would go through some more fire just to make sure that the connection was real. Because it's worth it. And I've been in Auckland five months, but I feel so known. I know people praying for me. I know I can ring people up and we just go, Have a hit of golf. I know I can sit and play a board game. And it's just so important. It's just so important. So God's taught me when you learn to stay on the altar, you actually find the fullness of life. When you lay down your life, you'll find it. I wonder what altar God's been challenging you to stay on at the moment. I wonder what altar there is in your life that she's like, hey, could you manage to stay on that one? Could you manage to get on it? Maybe it's like Jesus spoke to you and he's like, hey, I want you to bring a greater freedom in praise and worship. And you're like, yeah, God, I'm, I'm in. I'm on that altar, man. And every morning you got up for that week and you were like praising him, you were dancing crazy in your underwear at home. And then it came to Sunday and it was in like the first praise song and the church didn't seem to be vibing it. So you just lowered your level back to the level that was socially acceptable instead of staying on the altar and actually going after the freedom God had called you to go after. Maybe it's like you went to maybe maybe you like you had a moment with God and God said, Hey, do you know you have an amazing gift just to connect with people? And you're like, oh, I do. Thanks, God. And he's like, Hey, why don't you why don't you connect with someone and share your faith at work? And you're like, Yep, I'm on. I'm on that altar, God. I'm gonna get on that. And then you're on it and then Monday comes and you walk into the staff room and they're just talking about whatever they're talking about. And they go, How was your weekend? And in that moment you choose to hop off the altar and go, Ah, oh, was good. Oh just yeah. Hang out with some mates on Sunday. What'd you do? Hang out. Just hang out, you know. Maybe, maybe you started a business, and you really felt God saying, "Hey, I want you to, I want you to provide a free service to families of low social economic uh, backgrounds." And you're like, "Yeah, God will do that." But then every month you look at the profit line, and you go, "Oh, not yet. I'm oh, not yet. Oh, when it's when it works out a bit more budget wise, I'll do it." And I wonder if we could choose to stay on the altar that God's called us to stay on. And I wonder the impact and the fullness of life that could come out of it. There's so many altars. I know that each one of you will have somewhere, something where God's challenging you to get on that altar and stay on it this year. So what's the most spiritual thing we do? It's not worship. It's not reading the Bible. It's not prayer. It's not fasting. The most spiritual thing we do is to choose God. Worship is a choice. Reading your Bible is a choice. Fasting is a choice. It all comes down to free will. The free will that God gave. Will you go after him and say, hey God, I give it over. And Paul says in that scripture, this is your true and proper worship. I worship the Lord. How are you doing with stand on the altar? Are you choosing him? Are you making choices that say, God, I actually trust you. doesn't make sense. I'm on fire right now but I choose to trust you, God. I know Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego in the Bible, literally their boss or whatever threatened to fire them. (laughs) If you don't bow to me, you're gonna be fired. You're like, ah! I can imagine when they're walking into that furnace, their decision to stay on the altar started to get a little hot. And they are like, wow, we did not think this was going to be this bad, God, but we're on the altar. And they're walking to that fire, and they, and they step into the fire because they're just that obedient. And they just want to stand on the altar of God. And they say, God, even if you don't deliver us, we want to be obedient to what you're saying. And they step into it, and what do they do? They actually find the fullness of life. They come out of the fire, and they get a promotion. And it's just like, wow, what obedience it must have taken. You're going to go through life and you're going to feel like you're on fire sometimes. You're going to feel like it's so inconvenient. You're going to feel like, man, this is, this is ridiculous. No one's going to like me. But can I suggest that God's fullness of His, the fullness of life that God has for you is found when you choose to stay on what He's called you to. When you choose to stay on what He's called you to. The most spiritual thing we do is choosing God. It's the choice to stay on the altar. It's our true and proper worship. When all the options are before me, no matter the cost, I still choose God. Still choose him. Still choose him. The most spiritual thing we do is choose. Why? Because it's to hand back that which God freely gave us. It's to give back our free will. It's to say, God, I have found you to be good and I trust you with my life. I do not need control for within your will, I have found life abundantly. If you want to experience life abundant, just maybe keep trying to jump back on that altar. For me, it was so many decisions to get on that altar community every day. I guess that's why they talk about taking up your cross daily. (laughs) Every day it had to be a decision. Every time it cost me more on my bank account than I wanted to, more time than I wanted to, more energy than I wanted it to, I had to choose to get back on the altar and I've actually found the rich life because of it. A rich life because of it. I love that um, the most important, they say Jesus dying on the cross is the most, was perhaps the most important aspect, especially in our faith. But I often think it was actually in the garden where the battle was won. I think it was that moment where Jesus being fully man said, not my will, but your will be done. I think that's so significant. I think he saw every one of our faces and he could have chosen not to, not to go to the cross, you know, being fully man. He could have chosen not to, but he said, I'm gonna get on that altar and that looks like a dumb altar. (laughs) But I'm gonna do it because I wanna be obedient to what you're saying. And in that moment, He saved us. In that moment in that gun, He contended for you. And I think what a beautiful moment that was to hand back His free will. And I think that's the challenge. And I know it feels scary and I know it feels weighty, but really it's the biggest blessing God can offer you. (laughs) Because when you get on the altar, you find the fullness of life. The fullness of life. I'm an introvert who loves community now. When people say, when I say I'm an introvert, they're like, no. And I'm like, yeah, you're draining me. (laughs) But I'm like, man, it's a pleasure. I just want to sit with you and talk with you and attend to your heart. Because I don't want to just do this external thing. I don't want to just chase something with my young ambition. I don't want to just build something for my purposes. I don't want to just look like I'm a part of something big. I want to feel like I'm a part of something big. And feeling like you're a part of something big feels like just being connected to the person sitting beside you. And I think community could be countercultural now. I don't think it should be, but I think it could be. I heard you had an incredible all-out Sunday. And I heard it was like, everyone just bought a plate and it was the best time ever. Sounds like community. Sounds like Sunday was refreshing. (laughs) Sounds like you walked out of the place with a, a hope that says, man, I'm a part of something incredible. Thank you, God, for the people you've blessed me with. I'm not gonna get familiar with them. I'm always gonna ask a deeper question. I'm always gonna attend to their heart because there's more going on than I think. There's more going on than I think. Maybe let's stand this morning if you feel comfortable. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. If you feel lost right now, I'm sure Jesus will find you. Sometimes the most dangerous place to be is when we feel like we've got life (laughs) sussed because he says whoever finds their life will lose it. So if right now you're like, I'm good, could be an opportunity to lose your life. But if you're feeling a little lost right now, if you feel like, you're like, man, getting on the altar is actually costing me a lot of my life right now, I can guarantee that He's gonna take you to a place where you'll find your life. He's gonna release something to you. Can I pray this for, this morning for you? God, I thank you so much for every single person in this room. God, I thank you that you've spoken to them that there's something even if it goes years and years back, you, t- you spoke to them about something and it was an opportunity to hop on the altar. God, I pray that they would embrace the inconvenience of that to get back on the altar. They'd embrace some, some heat and in it they would find how good you are. They would find that it's worth it. They would find that living as a Christian makes a difference i find that, that there's something different about just living with Jesus at the center, just making a, a choice every day to be on the altar. God, I pray that every single person in this place would just leave with a hope again that says hey this thing that we're doing this belief that I have, this faith that I have, it's not going to lead to less life, it's going to lead to more life it's going to lead to more life, I didn't sign up to slowly drift into monotony, I signed up for the adventure of life, I signed up for you Jesus to do something incredible through me, what a blessing it is to have you within me and God I want to step into what you have for me in its fullness God, I want to make decision. I want to renew my mind. I want to embrace what it is to sit on the altar and feel a little hot sometimes and feel like something's on fire, but to realize that you deliver us from it. God, I pray that every single person here would just feel your peace in order to climb back on the altar right now. I even just get a sense right now that I saw some people climbing back on. Climbing back on and going, man, I'm here. I offer myself as a living sacrifice again. I stay on your altar, I renew my mind, I use my free will to make a decision to choose you, God. And I love doing it. It's my true and proper worship. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.